Thanks so much for being here. I want to say hello to all of our campuses real quick. Thanks so much for being a part of our services. Hope you guys are having a great Labor Day weekend. Well, I'm excited to introduce our guest preacher. This is a dear friend of mine. Pastor John Steen, pastors are, Pastor John Chastain, excuse me, pastors a great church uh, called Victory Church in Oklahoma City, as well as he's the president of a university in Dallas. This guy's a busy guy. Uh, he, he's the president of the King's University. He has a brand new book out as well this week. He's a dear friend. Please give a warm welcome to Pastor John Chastain. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Hey, Church Unlimited, how are we doing today? Are you guys excited to be here today? It's a good day. I want to just uh, quickly greet all of those watching online at, at all of the campuses. Uh, maybe you're at home, maybe you're driving a car, maybe you're sitting in your living room. I uh, just want to greet you and uh, say hello. Like he said, my name is John Chastine, and it's really an honor to be here. Pastor Bill and, and Jessica are just dear friends of Michelle and I, my wife Michelle, and he's an amazing man. But I want you to know, a lot of times you only get to see your pastor on stage. Uh, the, the pastor Bill that you see on the stage is the pastor Bill that I see off the stage. He's an amazing man. He's an amazing leader. And what I love about him is he doesn't just love your church. He loves the church. He's helped me become a better leader. He's helped me become a better pastor. And I love him dearly. Can we honor your pastors one more time? Love you, man. Appreciate you. And I've, this is my second time here now. And so now you can refer to me as Uncle John. We're family. Just call me Uncle John, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I love uh, what God allows me to get to do, having one foot in the local church and one foot in higher education. And I just love uh, being a part of the body of Christ and seeing the church grow and be built. It's amazing to be a part of. And so today I'm excited to bring a word to you that I think will encourage you. I want to encourage you. I, wanna, I want you to walk out of here, out of here stronger than when you walked in. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but the last six months have been kind of, eh, you know. Like 2020 is now on all the memes. It's like becoming an adjective. Uh, you know, don't be so 2020. Like 2020 is becoming like this, this really, really bad thing. But I want you to know that it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Uh, that God can use this year to do some great things in our life. And so I want you to walk out of here with strength because uh, I think we need it. So I'm gonna do this by taking you to the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 10, uh, you see the stories unfolding of them going into the promised land. And Moses leads them all the way up to the banks of the Jordan River. And then Moses does not get to go into the promised land. Now it becomes Joshua's task to lead them into the promised land and to fight the battles for everything that God is calling them to possess. And I want to show you what happens as they face these battles. God begins to give them this supernatural strength. And I want to show you a map because I want to show you some geographical context. And I'm going to read the text to you, okay? So I want you to notice this map that's uh, behind me here. And to the west, what you're looking at, this is the nation of Israel. To the west would be the Mediterranean Sea. To the east would be east of the Jordan River. This is the Dead Sea down in the bottom right. And so just straight up through there would be the Jordan River. What you see in the top right, I'm 6'7", but I'm not quite that tall. Up there in the top right, you'll see a little city called Gilgal. Now, Gilgal will be the context for where we're going to read from today, but Jericho is just above that. They fought the Battle of Jericho, and then they went over to Ai. They fought the Battle of Ai. They lost. Remember this? Then they had to go back and fight it again. You see that up by Bethel? And then Gibeon is right below that, okay? So I want you to see context geographically. This will, this will make sense as we go into the story. We'll refer to the map one more time, but let me take you to the scripture. 
that we're going to read today. And in this chapter, in chapter 10, they've, the, the walls of Jericho have fallen. They have now defeated Ai, and they're about to be attacked by the southern kingdoms. They had to conquer the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms, and they had come into treaty. Joshua and the Israelites had came into a treaty with the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, they were now in relationship with them, with covenant relationship with them. And so the southern kingdoms, the southern kings see what is happening, and they're not happy about it. And so they're going to send their troops up to Gibeon to attack Gibeon because they're not happy with the Gibeonites for coming into a, con a covenant agreement with the Israelites, okay? So I'm giving you context. I'm just setting you up because I need you to understand all this. And we're going to pick up in verse 6, okay? Joshua 10, verse 6. It says, The Gibeonites sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So all of these five kingdoms are coming up from the south to attack Gibeon, and he's asking for help. Verse 7 is where we really start leaning in, okay? Verse 7 says, So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. After an all-night march, I emphasize that, we're going to come back to that. An all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up from Beth Horon, and cut them down all the way to Ezekiah and Mekedah. And as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon, Ezekiah, uh, to Ezekiah, the Lord hurled large hailstones, this is beautiful, down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. And on that day, the Lord gave the Amorites over to, to, to Israel, and Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation avenged itself, its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Now watch verse 14. There has never been a day like it before or since. Now watch how beautiful this is. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. I love this story. I love it. It's, it's just an amazing story. It's got one of the most beautiful um, miracles in all of the Bible. Think about this. The day that the sun literally stopped and it, and it gave them another extra full day. So for the context of this story, you are Joshua. Okay? You're going to be Joshua today. So look at your neighbor and say, just call me Joshua. You're going to be Joshua. And watch, what I want you to know about Joshua is Joshua was a warrior. Moses was a leader. He led them out of Egypt to the banks of the Jordan River. But it was Joshua who was called to lead them into battle. And Joshua was an amazing warrior. Um, he is the guy, when the angel came to them on the banks of the Jordan River, it says that Joshua walked up to this angel and said, whose side are you on? Like, I'll cut you up too. I don't care who you are. Like, he was a warrior. He's the guy that when, 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 when uh, it says that as long as Moses' hands were raised, they were winning the battle, Joshua was the guy down on the battlefield fighting the battle. And you are Joshua. You have a battle that you're facing too. You have something that you're fighting for. 
And Joshua possessed something that I want to show you in this story that each one of us have access to as well. And Joshua was going to fight this battle, but I want you to understand something about Joshua. He was only going to fight half the battle. God was going to fight the other half. And so I want to introduce you to somebody that you each have access to in your life as you fight your battle. It's the title of my sermon. I want to in introduce you to your better half. Now, I have a, a wife. We've been married almost 20 years, and she is my better half. Can I get an amen, fellas? I think it's more like 90-10. I don't know that it's 50-50. I think she's like the 90% and I'm the 10%. And we all understand that. But we know the Bible says that when, when two people get married, it says the Bible says the two become one flesh. Half of her and half of me, we make one. But I also want you to understand that physical marriage is a spiritual truth. It, it shows us a physical picture of a spiritual truth, of our relationship with Jesus. After all, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ, right? So when you come into a relationship with Jesus, the two become one. Let me show you this in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. He is your better half. And unfortunately, many times on this earth, we end up fighting the battle with our weakest half not incorporating and involving the stronger half. And I want to go through the story, and I want to show you something that I believe God gave to Joshua and to the Israelites. He gave them supernatural strength, supernatural strength to get through this battle. And I believe that God wants to give all of us supernatural strength today, today, all right, to get through this battle. Let me show you three things today, very quickly that God wants to impart in us, this strength, okay? The first thing, if you're taking notes, God wants to give you supernatural strength to endure. Strength to endure. Now, I want to show you the, the endurance of this battle, okay? Let's go back to this text in Joshua 10, verse 7. It says, So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. Now, watch verse 9. After an all-night march. Now, the reason I showed you this map, and I wanted to put it, put it back up because I want to walk you through this, okay? I want to walk you through this map, and I want you to understand the strength that it took. Because if I just tell you that somebody walked from here to there, you have no context as to where and how far that was. So the Bible says that they marched from Gilgal all the way to Gibeon. Now, on a map, it doesn't look like that far, but if you look at this in the geographical context, they marched approximately 18 miles overnight. But not only was it 18 miles, it's a 3,500-foot ascent. It's like your dad telling you that he walked, up, he walked to school uphill both ways, right? It's like this story. They walked uphill. I'm not talking about hill. Have you, if you've ever been to Israel, this is mountainous. It is rough terrain. They walked with their swords, their shields, their camp, everything they needed to do battle. They walked 18 miles uphill. Uh, they believed that it would have taken them around seven to eight hours overnight. But when they got there, they didn't get to rest. The soldiers had to have been like, can we just sit down for just one minute and rest? I don't think they rested because the Bible says that they took them by surprise. And as they peaked the hill, they saw the enemy and had to go straight into battle.
Now, not only did they go straight into battle, they fought the battle, but the Bible says that they ran them out of Gibeon, and you'll see the blue arrows. They ran them all the way to Beth Horon, and then straight south, all the way through Ajalon. Ajalon is where they said, sun, stand still. Stand still. Going all the way down the blue arrow, which was approximately another 25 miles. 25 miles. That is supernatural strength. To march 18 hours, to march 18 miles uphill, fight a battle, and then be so energized by the battle that we're going to chase these guys 25 miles out of town. God gave them some kind of supernatural strength. And here's what I want to acknowledge today in this room. You've walked 18 miles too, uphill. The last five to six months on planet Earth has been an uphill 18-mile climb. But the only challenge in this is that where we sit today, the battle is not over. In fact, the battle is right before us. The battle for your marriage, the battle for your kids, the battle for, for our, our nation, the battle for your finances, the battle for your faith, the battle for your church. We don't have time to rest. And then we find out that homeschooling is going to be extended through the fall. Like, what? I just need to rest. Are you kidding me? I don't want to kill my kids. Can we just send them to school, please? I don't need to kill my kids. I think it's going to take supernatural strength. I think it's going to, to take someone fighting for us, our better half, our better half. And I believe that God wants to impart this in us. Let me show you this text in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, this, this idea of endurance. It says, so don't lose your bold, courageous faith, faith uh, for you are destined for a great reward. Now watch verse 36. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. You see what it said? You need endurance to reveal God's poetry. That's a beautiful text. Now, they experienced this. They experienced supernatural strength to walk 18 miles uphill with all their gear to fight a battle, and their endurance in the battle unveiled or revealed God's poetry of sending hailstones down that defeated more of the enemy than they did. It, it created this poetic moment where the sun literally stood still. This scripture says that it is our ability and our strength for endurance that reveals God's poetry of his will. Isn't that beautiful? So we must have this strength. We must incorporate this strength to endure and to receive this supernatural strength that can only come from the Lord. The strength that gave Elijah the strength to tuck his cloak and to outrun a chariot through the valley of Jezreel. I've stood in this valley. It's a huge valley. And this dude outran a chariot. That's supernatural strength. The supernatural strength that Samson got. The supernatural strength that David received. The supernatural strength that Elisha received. And time and time again throughout Scripture, you'll read and it'll say, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. We can't do life without this strength. And I came to remind you today that you have the same access to this strength as any of the people in the Bible that you read about. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. The Bible says it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. We have access to this. We have access to the strength. And I'm like, okay, I'm sold, John. How do I get the strength? I want to show you the prerequisite 
Okay? I'm all about higher education. There's prerequisites. You ready? Here's the prerequisites. Isaiah 40, verse 28. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Watch. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And here comes the prerequisites. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. And even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It doesn't say stop running and you won't grow weary. It says you can run full steam ahead and not get tired as you run. What do I have to do to receive supernatural strength? Acknowledge my weakness. I'm weak. Acknowledge. This is what Paul said. Paul said, I, 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 I embrace my weakness because God says, I, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made complete or it comes to its full expression. One translation says, it comes to its fullest expression when you're weak. And until you let God in on the quote unquote secret that you're weak, he's like, then I can't give you my full expression of my strength. It's when we acknowledge the weakness of our humanity that God gives us this bold empowerment of strength. The second thing that I want you to know about today, that God can empower you and give you the strength, number two, to fight and not fight. Now that doesn't even make sense. John, what are you talking about? I want to show you in this text where every battle that we face on earth, there are moments that we fight the battle and moments that we have to let God fight the battle. And the strength to know the difference. So watch this text in Joshua 10, 9. It says, after an all-night march, that's Joshua fighting, by the way, Joshua took them by surprise, and the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. That's God fighting. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. That's Joshua fighting. Israel pursued them along the road, going up from Beth Horon, and cut them down all the way to Ezekiah and Mekedah. That's Joshua fighting. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon, uh, to, to, to Ezekiah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. That's God fighting. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the sword of the Israelites. As hard as you have fought, God will always fight, fight, fight harder. He's your better half. Why would we ever fight without him? So we have to discern and understand the moments where we fight and we let God fight and knowing the difference between the two. And I think somebody who did this beautifully and master, was a master at it was David. I want to show you one example of this, where David walked this out as a perfect example of us, for us. 2 Samuel 5, verse 18. It says, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord says, go, for I will surely deliver them into your hands. Okay? So he inquired of the Lord, said, this, David, this is your fight. You go and fight it, and I'll be with you. Now watch this. Three verses later. I'm not talking chapters later. I'm talking three verses later. It says this in verse 22. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Now watch. Same enemy, same location, same circumstance. David could have said, well, last time I fought and won, so let's go, guys. Let's fight again. But watch what happens. It says, so David inquired of the Lord, and God answered, do not, do not go straight up. 
the circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of the marching in the top of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. Same circumstance, different fight. What did, what did David do? Every time he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Moses got this wrong. Remember the time that God said, strike the rock and water will pour out. And then the next time they were thirsty, they were murmuring and complaining, same circumstance, same people he was leading, same issue, they were all thirsty. And God says, don't strike the rock, I want you to speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He struck it again. Because it worked last time. Surely it'll work this time. He was so stubborn, he hit it twice. He's like, what's wrong with this thing? Hit it again, right? But we have to have this wisdom to know, when do I fight and when do I let God fight? When do I reply to this post on Facebook? And when do I let God reply to this post on Facebook, right? When, when do I fight for my marriage? And when do I say, you know what? I have done too much damage. God, will you fight for my marriage for me? We have to understand and inquire of the Lord and ask the Lord to give us this wisdom to know when to fight. Because fighting alongside God requires the wisdom to know when I swing my sword and when I wait on God to swing his. The third strength that we need to possess that God wants to give us, the third one is this, God wants to give you the strength to pray big prayers to a big God and expect big results. Now, sometimes we can pray big prayers to a big God, but we don't expect big results. Now, I want to go back to the story and show you one of the craziest prayers ever prayed. There's a lot of great miracles in the Bible. People raised from the dead, a lot of miraculous things. But I want us to begin to wrap our minds around the astrology of what just happened, okay? Joshua 10, 12, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to, to the Lord in the presence of Israel, son, stand still. Oh, God, God had to have been like, excuse me, what? What would what, you say? And moon, you stand still too over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself and its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jeshar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it, nor since a day when the Lord listened to a human being. We serve a God who listens to human beings. Can you imagine the craziness of this prayer? Think about how much strength this army had, okay? They've marched 18 miles, uphill. They fought a battle. They're running them out of town. They're watching hailstones fall from the sky. They have so much strength that Joshua's like, I don't want this fight to end. I don't want to rest. I want to see this thing through. They received so much supernatural strength that he wanted to keep fighting in the midst of adversity, in the midst of exhaustion. I want to see this thing through. I don't want to just knock, knock the giant down. I want to cut his head off. Now, a couple of things I love about this prayer, because here's what happens many times. When we get tired, when we get weary, it's, it's not just our physical bodies, and it's not just our emotions, and it's not just our minds that get tired. It's our faith. And our faith begins to, to drain. And you'll go from praying giant prayers to just mumbling words like, God, help me to have a good day today. Right? God wants us to pray specific prayers. Bold prayers, bro prayers that would make God be like, excuse me, what? What, 
What did you say? Two things I love about this prayer, okay? This prayer encourages me. It, it inspires me in two ways. The first reason is this. It inspires me to know that my prayer doesn't have to be perfect. Now, I know we're not all scientists in here, but let's do some thinking here. Joshua didn't get to take science class where you build a little model of the solar system and the styrofoam ball, the sun, and you color them yellow, and then you have to make the thing go where all the, all the planets revolve around the sun, right? Because what God could have replied to Joshua was when Joshua said, sun, stand still. God could have been like, hey, idiot, the sun already stands still, okay? The sun doesn't revolve around the earth. Some of you are like, really? I didn't know this. No, the earth revolves around the sun. In order for the sun to stand still, the earth had to come to a screeching halt. Now, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that it's the revolution of the, of the earth that creates gravity to where we all don't fall off the earth. Think of the miracle that happened this day. The thing that blows my mind is that Joshua didn't even pray the prayer right he didn't even pray the prayer. He messed it up. In fact, he got it the polar opposite of what it should have been. But God, it's almost like God looked down from heaven and said, Joshua, I know what you mean. I know what you meant. I know what you meant to say. You didn't understand the cosmos and how I crafted this and I put every star in its place and I named them all. And Joshua, you're cute. You're cute. Suns, I know it looks like the sun's revolving around you because you're watching it go across the sky, but it's actually you moving, not the sun but I know what you mean. And I know for me, I mess up a lot of prayers. I pray stuff and God's like, I'm actually going to do the opposite of what you're praying, but it's going to be better than what you're praying. God has this way of even taking my imperfect prayers and making them perfect. So, so don't be afraid to pray big prayers. Even if you mess it up, God's like, I got you. Don't worry. The second thing I love about this prayer is that God answers prayer even when we give him every reason not to. Now, may I remind you, the Israelites have run to fight with the Gibeonites. Back up a couple of chapters and you'll find that God told the Israelites, when you go into the promised land, I want you to drive out all of the inhabitants. Don't have treaties with one of them. Guess what they did? They made a treaty with the Gibeonites. Gibeonites were the enemy. They were supposed to drive the Gibeonites out of the promised land. The Gibeonites tricked them. It wasn't necessarily Joshua's fault. They tricked him. They lied to him. He ends up making a covenant relationship with the Gibeonites. And then when the kings of the south come up to fight against the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites are like, Joshua, help. If I'm Joshua, I'd have been like, well, thank you, God, for answering my prayer. You're going to wipe out the enemy. The other kings are coming up to wipe them out. I'm just going to leave. No, he, he keeps his covenant agreement with the Gibeonites which is what Jesus does for us, even when we sin. By the way, that's another sermon. Jesus keeps his side of the deal. He keeps his covenant relationship. He does not abandon us when the enemy attacks us, even when we mess up. So even when the Israelites messed it all up, made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, God kept his promise. God kept his covenant. God came and answered crazy prayers. Hailstones start falling out of the sky, killing the enemy more than they killed with their sword. The sun stands still. All of these things start happening, even though they were operating out of a mistake. This is me too. I make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. I mess up, I mess up, I mess up. And God continually still comes alongside me. He's like, who are we going to defeat today? 
who you want to tear up today. What territory do you want to take back from the devil today? God never gives up on you no matter how many times you mess up. He is always there for you. Every time you come back, he will always fight for you. He's in the business of doing this. So as we close, I want to pray a prayer over you, okay? Now, I can, I can preach a sermon. I can tell cheesy jokes that I may have in my notes. I can read a scripture or two. But what I'm about to ask God to do, I can't do. I'm going to ask God to impart supernatural strength to you. And I want to show you this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is Paul writing. And he says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. He says, be naturally infused, supernaturally infused with strength. And this is how, through your life union with the Lord Jesus. And then he says this, after you've been supernaturally infused with strength, he says, now stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in you and through you. So his strength, I believe, I'm gonna pray for his strength to be poured into you, but not just so you can be like, oh, I feel great today. No, so it can flow through you. Because you come into this house, you watch online, you come into your campus because God wants to impart something in you. So when you're in the cubicle tomorrow, working, and somebody comes into your cubicle, diffused and deflated, the strength that has been imparted to you, God says, I want it to flow out of you and into the person that you work with, all right? So let's pray. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? If you want to put your palms up just in an attitude, I want to receive this just as a physical picture. Father, we receive your strength. God, I don't know the pain that is in this room or at a campus or watching online. I don't know the hardship. Somebody under the sound of my voice is about to quit. They're about to give up. They're about to lose all hope in their marriage. They're about to lose all hope in their kids. They're about to lose all hope in their career. They're about to lose hope in life, in life. But God, you had them come into communication today with your, spirit, your truth from your scriptures that you can impart supernatural strength. So today we tap into our better half. You are our better half. And we don't wanna just fight half the battle, God. We wanna fight the battle. We wanna pray big prayers to a big God and expect big results. So God, I pray that you would bring supernatural strength today into this room, into the every, every room of every person listening to this. May we walk out of here differently. May we walk out of here emboldened, strengthened, encouraged to fight the battle that we should be too weary to fight. We've hiked uphill 18 miles, but the battle is before us. God, bring hailstones down that defeat more of the enemy than we could have killed with our own sword. God, make the sun stand still. God, stop time if you have to to help us defeat the giants that are before us, God. We pray these things in your mighty name. Now, in this attitude of prayer with your heads closed, um, your, your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I just wanna give you one last thing here, okay? Stay in this attitude. If you're here and you do not have relationship with Jesus, okay? I wanna give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart. It's a free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's a free gift. It's, already, it's just gift wrapped. You just need to unwrap it. So I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. The Bible says you confess with, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, okay? So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Just say these, these, these words after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, thank you for climbing up on that cross to die for me. And I believe you died on a cross and rose from the grave 
for me. And I'm saved. I'm brand new. My life is yours. You have become my better half. Heal me. Heal my life. Fight for me. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that, you guys? Isn't that awesome? It's an honor, an honor, an honor to be here. Love you guys.